Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Uh, Well, if you're here for the first time, again, we want to welcome you. I just want to say thank you to those of you who brought your friends. I heard that response a lot today, like, my friend brought me or my friend told me about it. Or maybe your friend was a bus and it was an ad and you just like got brought here because they're still out there, which is incredible. Come on. Well, if you're new with us this morning, we've been going through a series that we are calling Welcome Home. And this, in this series, we are preaching through all of our values as a church and the things that we stand for, the type of church that God has called us to be in this city. We talked about how people, when they come to church, that they belong first. Before maybe they believe what we believe or behave the way we behave as a Christian, that they belong, that we honor everybody. We honor up, we honor down, we honor all around. Uh, We've also talked about how we dream big, that God is big, so we dream big, and we don't have small thinking. Uh, We also talked about the importance of experiencing God, and that we will make a place for people to come in here and be able to experience and encounter the presence of Jesus. And then last week, Tim talked about how we, we will be a church that lives generously, and that was a great word last week, yeah? Come on, babe, that was good. Um, If you didn't hear that message or you didn't hear any of those, you guys are welcome to go to tfh.church and you can give all of those sermons a listen, play it in the car, you know, put it on when you're making dinner. That's what I do sometimes. I'm like, what did we say again? Okay. I want to listen to you again. I love hearing your voice. I love it. So uh, check that out if you would like, and um, you can see who we are as a church. So, so this morning, I get to add to that, and we are going to talk about a value that we call laugh often. Laugh often. Who likes to laugh? Yeah? Say, okay, so I'm not actually going to preach. We're, all, we're just going to watch a comedy show. How's that sound? Yeah? Little Jim Gaffigan this morning? Yeah. I love to laugh. I love watching comedies. I love Jim Gaffigan. He's a clean comedian that I feel like I can sit. And sometimes you're just like, I just want to laugh. Sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, before bed, Tim and I will sit there and we used to follow these, um, this Instagram site called Fails Clips. And it was literally just videos of people hurting themselves. And I apparently love laughing at people when they hurt themselves. But we just love to laugh. I enjoy laughter. And I have come to the understanding that not everybody enjoys laughing. Um, When I laugh, I don't just laugh like with my voice, but I laugh with my whole body. Like I'm one of those people that kind of convulses when they laugh. I'm a cackler. Like it's probably annoying to you, but I love it. I show you my molars when I laugh. I just might pee a little. Like I just enjoy laughing. And one time, um, we were, Tim and I were with a group of friends, and there was this funny YouTube video, and I'm like, you guys, you got to watch this. So I grabbed my phone, and we've got a group of people huddled around my phone, and we're watching this funny video. And I, I'm probably shaking the phone because I'm convulsing with laughter. And we're standing there, and I've seen the video, so I'm watching everybody's faces, like, isn't it funny? You know, and I'm laughing. And I'm watching one of our friend's faces, and he's standing there, and while I'd be like, ah, ha, ha, ha. He's standing there like this. Like slight smile turned up, just slight. Quiet, quiet. And I'm like, this is really funny. Like, okay, why is it? Maybe he just doesn't get it. And at the end of it, he makes this statement. Statement. He says, that was funny. 
I'm like, bro, then laugh. Let noise come out. Anyway, if you're around me, show me a funny video. I will laugh with you. I will cackle. It'll be great. But why do I love to laugh? Because I believe that life should be enjoyed. And since we're a new church and we're talking about who we are, I want you to know if you're new with us, which that's everybody because we're seven weeks old, we are not serious all the time. If you're coming to this church and you're like, oh, these pastors, they better be serious. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not serious all the time. Like we find every opportunity we can to have a good time and to laugh and have fun. This last Wednesday for Halloween, uh, I got the kids ready and I had a few extra minutes and I'm like, Tim, go grab the dress up box. We did youth ministry for 10 years, so we have a lot of random costumes. And we dressed up like pirates just because. Our kids weren't dressed up like pirates, but we're like, let's do it. Let's be Jack Sparrow and I'll just be a random pirate with you. It was great. We just enjoy life. And so I'm sorry to disappoint you, but we're not always gonna be serious. We will be serious about the right things. We are serious about what God wants to do in this city. We're serious about building a church where people can come and encounter his presence. But we also know that God wants us to enjoy our lives. So we're gonna enjoy church. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So I know that not every environment is fun. But I want to read you this value first. You can put it up on the screen. Laugh often. We refuse to take ourselves too seriously. Life should be enjoyed, so we should enjoy church. We will always look for a way to bring the fun to every environment we find ourselves in. Now, I know that not every environment is fun. I know that not every circumstance that you have been through or might be currently going through brings happiness. You know, there's some stuff that makes us happy and there's some stuff that's just not so happy. Actually, I have some examples. I have a few slides this morning of some moments that might make us happy. So you could, Taylor, go ahead and put up that first slide. Oh, does that make you happy? makes me really happy. I imagine that this is my favorite beach in Maui on Kanapali right outside the Westin Villas. And I'm laying in a lawn chair that Tim has rented for me. And I get to lay there all day and read magazines or books or, you know, meander down to the ocean and back to my chair and just hang out. Like to me, happy. That's so happy. Now go ahead and put up the other slide. Oh, so this is also a beach. It doesn't look so happy. I don't want to hang out at that beach that looks like a hurricane just came through. Like, I'm good. I'm good. I'll go to the other beach. That, that doesn't make me feel happy. What's the, what's the next slide? Go ahead. Oh, this is my home. Joanna Gaines designed this for me. This is my home in my head. Joanna Gaines designed this for me. I just imagine I'm about to light a fire in that fireplace. I've got a can- my favorite candle burning Somebody's making me dinner in the kitchen, and I'm just hanging out. Oh, happy. Does that make you feel happy? Just a clean house. Yeah. Okay, now, now go to the next slide. Oh, and then the kids show up. And somehow, my house actually looked like this last night, right, Priscilla? We're still finding beads everywhere. Her two-year-old decided to put beads everywhere in my house, and I have many hurt feet. Many. Two hurt feet. <laughs> I hurt my feet a lot. You know, just not happy. This doesn't make this doesn't make you happy, does it? No. Okay, go to the next slide. Ah, oh, it's a day off, 
and you don't have anything to do except for enjoy life. And you get to drive across the most iconic bridge in the world to go to Sausalito to have lunch. And it's a rare, warm, sunny San Francisco day. And you have the windows down, not a care in the world. Happy, right? Right? And then, go ahead, Taylor. <laughs> and then you turn around to try and go home. And everybody else wants to go home at the same time. And you're stuck in traffic. San Francisco, we're stuck in traffic a lot of our lives, aren't we? Not happy. I'm not happy to be in traffic. I think I've got a couple more. Oh, oh, he's a little fuzzy, but isn't he sweet? You showed up to Costco at 12.15 and you haven't had lunch yet? And they brought out all the samples just for you. You get to have a free lunch. Look at him. He's so, just with his cowboy hat, he's so ready to feed you lunch. Happy. I wasn't even expecting it. Now, go to the next slide. Oh, we're still at Costco. Oh, dear, dear Jesus. I think that this is the Costco in Daly City. Am I right? And this is only a Tuesday. And it's a mile-long line. And you're never going to get out of there. Your food has now gone bad in your cart. Not happy. I avoid that Costco, by the way with every ounce of my being. I have one last one. Disneyland, the happiest place on earth where it doesn't matter what age you are, but you can be a kid and have fun, happy. Next slide. Oh, it's this slide. Disneyland, <laughs> where you had to take out a second mortgage on your house to pay for tickets. Later, you're going to have to sell an organ because you want to be able to buy food, right? you got to have the Dole Whip. And then there's the sweating, and then there's the lions, and then your children are crying, and you just brought them to the happiest place on earth. Not happy. Come on. Some of these photos make us feel happy. But what I want to propose to you is that you can actually find joy in each and every one of those scenarios. That the traffic jam, the messy house, the Costco line, and even Disneyland, that you can still have joy in the midst of every single one of those places. See, there's a huge difference between happiness and joy. And sometimes we try and mesh those two words, yet they're very different. See, happiness is circumstantial. It comes and it goes, and it's a response to an external situation. It's what's happening around you, and it makes you feel a certain way, a jolt of happiness. But joy, which is the foundation of this value of laugh often, joy is something that goes deeper. And joy can be found in every situation that we face in life. Joy is internal, and it's something that satisfies the heart in a way that temporary happiness can never satisfy. The Bible describes joy as something that is full and complete, finding true satisfaction. And this morning, my prayer for you, and as I was prepping through this week, my prayer has been that Whatever circumstance you might be facing in your life, whatever is going on in your world right now, that you would, by the end of this message, you would walk out of here with something in your heart that says, although I'm going through this circumstance, 
I'm going to have that same thing that David had that he said in Psalm 51, that, God, would you restore to me the joy of my salvation? And that today, no matter what you're experiencing, that your joy would be restored this morning. So studying this word joy this week, I was like, I'm so excited to talk about joy. I'm so joyful. And then I started studying joy. And what's funny is in the New Testament, as I was going through stories of, you know, in Peter and James and John, I'm looking at joy and I'm noticing that these three words kept popping up in the same sentence as joy. Words like troubles, words like trial, words like test. And I'm like, wait a minute, I thought we were talking about joy. Like, why are those words in my happy verse? Like, get them out, get them out. Actually, I want to give you a few examples of that. I was reading in Romans, it says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help develop endurance. In John, it says, here on earth we'll have many trials and sorrows, so be truly glad. This wonderful joy ahead, even, there's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure trials for a little while. Peter says, dear friends, please don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partner with Christ in his suffering so that you will have wonderful joy. Doesn't that like puzzle you a little? Like joy, yet trial, trouble, I should be happy about this? I've discovered this week that joy is a perspective. Joy is a perspective. And today we're going to discover that we can find joy even in the midst of our trial, our trouble, the test that we find ourselves in. We're going to look at James this morning. So if you brought your Bible, you can open it up to the first, um, the first chapter in James, or we're going to put it up on the screen. And it says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. In this first part of James, he says, when troubles of any kind come your way. I notice that it says, when troubles come your way, not if your troubles, troubles come your way. So right there, it says that we're going to face hard stuff. We're going to go through things. Do you know that Christians and non-Christians alike go through stuff in our lives on this earth that we live on a fallen planet and that we're going to face some stuff. And I just want to, I want to correct maybe bad theology this morning. If when you first came to church or when you heard the salvation message of what Jesus did for you on the cross, maybe someone dangled a carrot in front of your face and they were like, if you say yes to Jesus, your life is going to be perfect. That's a lie. That's not true. In fact, Jesus said to us, hey, I want you to take up your cross and I want you to follow me. Do you know what the cross represents? And he said, hey, just like I was rejected, just like I was persecuted, you're going to be rejected. That's what the Bible says. So I want to correct that. If somebody told you something wrong about what would happen when you follow Jesus. You say yes to him, it doesn't mean that you get to live in this happy Christian bubble. Now, what are you going through this morning? Into this, into what James is saying. 
I want you to insert your trouble, your trial, what you're walking through. Is it financial hardship? Is it a strained relationship with a spouse or a family member? Is it a tough time that you're having at work or you don't actually have work because you don't have a job? What are you walking through? Is it a diagnosis or something that you've been walking with, an ailment or a disease that you've been walking with for years? I want you to insert what it is that you're walking through. And James right here is talking to a group of Christians who've been scattered. They've been scattered all over the world. They've had to leave their way of life, their home, their businesses, who they, their their family. They've had to be stripped away from that. And James is speaking to them. That's what they're going through. And on top of that, On top of the things that they're experiencing, they're being persecuted for just following Jesus. And James says to them, and he says to us today, consider it an opportunity for joy. Now, why are we talking about joy? When I face testing, I'll be honest this morning, when I face trials, I don't want them in my life. I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to run the other direction. I want to be happy. I don't know about you, but I want to be happy. So when I face them, I'm like, are you kidding? Are we sure? And it goes on to say in verse 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. James reminds us that we as Christians, when we walk through testing, it shows that something real is happening in our lives. It shows that We are truly following Jesus when we come up against testing and trials. Mechanics don't test scrap metal. They test cars that are going to face tough conditions. And these testings that we face show us what's truly inside, what faith we truly are walking with. Testing reveals that. And I want us to take this challenge. What is it that you're walking through right now, this morning, that comes to your mind of this is the challenge, this is the testing that I'm facing? And I want you to say this over that problem, over that testing. There is something being developed inside of me. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, there is something being developed inside of me. It's been almost a year since my family moved to San Francisco. In January, we'll have lived here for a year, which is crazy. It went by fast. Woo, yeah, cheer for that. It was good. Um, about two, when we had lived in San Francisco for about two months, I was just getting our house settled. I was putting pictures on the wall, making it feel cozy, getting new throw pillows for the couch. When one morning we woke up and I found my my, uh, at the time, seven-year-old standing over me. And I was like, Mom, I don't feel good. I'm like, okay. And I noticed these weird blisters. We'd noticed, thought they were like bug bites on her head from the day before being at my brother's farm. But there was these, these blisters on her forehead. And I felt her forehead, and she was hot. I'm like, what is this? What's going on? So I, you know, you do as you do as a parent. And you're like, let me check the rest of your body. What's going on? And I started to see blisters behind her ears and like, spots that were about like looking like they were forming into blisters in parts of her body I'm like what is happening so I do what any good daughter does and I call my mom because she has all the answers at least she thinks she does she thinks she's a doctor I see you mom if you need any free medical advice my mom's available so I call mom she gets on WebMD 
I get on Google and we come to find out that Ellie has chicken pox. Chicken pox, like chicken pox is still around? That's like a thing? Like I got chicken pox when I was a kid and it hasn't been around for like a decade, right? So we notice she has chicken pox. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, all right, we got this. We got this, you know, and I'm almost like, this is gonna be great. You get this now and you'll be fine later. All of a sudden these blisters start to spread and my child is in so much pain. And the next day, Tim was scheduled to leave town for a speaking engagement, something we couldn't say no to because again, we now live in San Francisco and have to pay our, mortgage, or our, our rent, which we know is a little higher than where we came from. So he's like, do I, I'm like, you have to go. Well, I'm gonna be fine, it's gonna be fine. So that night, Ellie just keeps getting worse and it just starts spreading. And I hear you could give a kid some Benadryl and they'll be good, like it'll help with the itching. So I give my kid Benadryl. Well, it turns out Ellie's within like the 10% of people that Benadryl does the opposite. And it wired her and I gave it to her at 7 p.m. So my kid is not only wired, but her skin feels like it's crawling from the Benadryl. And I'm like, your skin's already crawling, oh my gosh. So as a parent, you know those sleepless nights. So we're in the midst of this. And the next day, she just gets worse, and she's breaking out more and more. Thankfully, my mom came out to help me. But again, who do kids want when they're sick? They want mom. She wouldn't let anybody else near her or touch her or even talk to her. And it just gets worse, and it's spreading. It's on her back. It's on her chest. It's on her arms. It's on her legs. And sometimes we think of chicken pox as like, yeah, it'll be fine. She had such a bad case of chicken pox. It was so extreme and she was in excruciating pain. And we're dealing with this for not just days, but we're dealing with this for weeks. We hadn't slept. It was horrible. And I was in the midst of this like, are you kidding me? What's going on? And right when I thought she was better, okay, we're, we're good, we're out of this, my younger daughter comes to me it's like, mom, I don't feel good. And there's bumps and there's bumps. I'm like, okay, at least I'm kind of an expert on this. Let me get my medicine woman bag and let's like go to town on this child. So we're, you know, we're now like in month two of being quarantined because I'm like, this is the worst thing. I shall not spread this to any other human being on the planet earth. So we're stuck in our house. So one day we're still dealing with chicken pox in the aftermath and Livy's going through it. And I look out my window and I would see sirens and come to find out a man had died in front of my house. I'm like, there's diseases. People are dying in front of my house. Finally, we get some relief and the kids are at a place where I can take them out. So finally, I'm trying to socialize them. We go to a park and we go hang out. And I'm finally hanging out with friends and they're playing. All of a sudden, Ellie runs over to me with her two front permanent teeth in crumbles in her hand. And I'm like, uh, those don't grow back. Those don't grow back. And I'm like, are you kidding? Another thing? We get home a couple days later, we get a bunch of notices from um, all of our utilities were about to be shut off and the rent and everything was in chaos because there was a weird stipulation in our rental agreement, something went wrong and they didn't pay it when they were supposed to. All of these things kept happening. It felt like blow after blow after blow after blow. And all of a sudden it had been two and a half months and I had experienced more troubles in my life than I had in the last two years. 
And it's in these moments, it's in these trials that we go through that we can do one of two things. We can run away or we can run to Jesus. We have the opportunity to count it all joy in the midst of the trial. And it shows that it shows us that what faith we have and it causes us as Christians to grow in endurance. Endurance is the ability or the strength to continue or last despite fatigue, stress, or other adverse conditions. As we go through trials, it creates stamina. Like a runner who's getting into that other mile, that next mile, and they're gaining stamina. We as Christians gain endurance as we go through trials. Tell your neighbor again, there's something being developed in you. Back to our chicken pox outbreak season. I gotta be honest with you. When I hadn't slept, when I was caring nonstop for my family and chaos was happening around me, I'll tell you, there was a temptation to draw back, to question God, to go, and these were the thoughts that came to my head. Should we have moved here? Like when you're in the midst of it and everything feels dark and is closing in around you, and I asked, I ask God, should we have moved here? God, my children are suffering. Like it's one thing if I am dealing with the brunt of it, but my children are suffering. God, should we have stayed in Vacaville where things were easy, where I had easy streets? Should we have stayed there? But I didn't stay in that spot. I did what I knew I should do, even though I didn't feel like it. Even though the situation around me didn't feel happy. I counted this trial as joy. And I did what Paul talks about in Colossians 3, 2. Instead of fixing my gaze around the world, around me, and the chaos that was happening around me, I fixed my gaze heavenward. I fixed my gaze on things above and not the things below. And I chose joy. I reminded myself that although I didn't feel happy, I still had joy. And I did the only thing that I knew would produce joy in my life. And in this situation, I got really close to Jesus. I did what it says in Psalm 16, where it says that where the spirit of the Lord is, where the presence of God is, there is fullness of joy. I knew that in his he was there in his word. I could find him. I could find presence in his word. So I ran to my word. I grabbed my Bible. I went through the Psalms and I prayed out these verses when I didn't have words. The words were right there in front of me. I began to worship over my home. Man, I took a vat of olive oil and you will see weird like oil stains above like all the, the molding in our house because I went around my house and I prayed and I worshiped over my home because I knew that God was in my song. I prayed like I've never prayed before because I know that the Bible says that when I draw near him, he draws near me. I took my quarantine children in that city and I took them to my saint mother who took care of them so that I could get in the house of God and go to church because I knew that I could find his presence in the house. I did those things because I drew near him where I knew he was. And listen, if you're going through the thick of it right now, you've got to find a way into God's presence. You've got to find a way there. Lake Tahoe might be your happy place, 
but his presence is found in the house. Man, if you're going through something, don't run away from church. Don't isolate. Come here. Because when you're weak, there's others around you that are strong. And they'll build you up. And their worship will become your worship. You can come down for prayer. And there's people that will partner with you. If you're going through something hard, turn off the radio. And turn on some worship music. And begin to seek him in your car. Begin to lift your worship, worship above your situation. Take Instagram off your phone and start scrolling through your Bible app and get the word within you. You've got to do whatever you can. You've got to pray like you've never prayed before and draw near him. And I promise you this, that you will find joy that surpasses your understanding and surpasses your circumstance. Come on, church, let's not fail this test. When we're walking through a test, let's not fail it, but let's recognize it for what it is. Let's draw near him where we can find the deep, everlasting joy that's within. Don't waste this season. Don't be, be mad at the situation, but don't be mad at this season. Find the opportunity in it. If God has given you the beautiful privilege of finding joy in a tough season and producing endurance and maturity inside of you, recognize those things, that endurance, the thing that he's producing inside of you won't have an opportunity to grow unless you are in this season. So we got to do what James says. On the end of verse four, he says, let it grow. Let it grow. In this season, in the midst of that, let your faith grow. Let your maturity grow. Let your relationship with God who brought you here now, let it grow. Come on, band, you guys can come. We're going to close in just a couple minutes. That story I told you of our, our chicken pox outbreak season I am reminded of that season almost every single day, although it was like two months of chaos and like now it's, we're far away from that. I'm reminded of it every single day. The reason is my oldest daughter, Ellie, has some really intense scarring from all the chicken pox on her arms, on her back, on her legs. She's got a couple on her face. And you'd think, you know, sometimes we're vain and like, well, grab the Mederma. We got to help you out. Like, get rid of this scarring. And sometimes I'm like, good, let's put the oils on it. Let's, let's help you there. But to be honest, I look at those scars and there's almost a joy that comes within me. I know that sounds strange, but I look back on the season of that chaos and I'm reminded that in that season, although it was terrible and wasn't fun, I'm reminded of where God met me in that season. I'm reminded that I chose to draw near him and find that joy. And I'm reminded that I didn't run away. I'm reminded when I look at those scars that the questions I had in my head of, should I turn and run? Should we go back to Vacaville? And I realized, I didn't run away, I ran to you. And now I get to stand here on this stage and look out at this room 
and remind myself, I'm reminded of why we moved here in the first place. I moved here for you. I moved here to make a place for people to come and encounter the presence of God. And I'm reminded when I see the 81 plus people who've given their life to Jesus because we didn't say no when it was tough, but we kept pressing in. Where are you at? What trial, what thing are you walking through? Come on. I want to remind you this morning, last thought before we go, whatever you're walking through today, we're a family here and we want to be here for you. We're going to have people down front and we want to pray with you if you're going through a tough season. But I also want to remind you that it's just that. It's just a season. It's just a season. In the book of John, there's a chapter entitled, Sorrow Turned to Joy. And it says, it'll be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish will give way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. A few weeks ago, Tim talked about our story about uh, trying to become parents and that it took us over two years to get pregnant with our daughter, Ellie. So when we finally got pregnant, we were so excited and we were like, hey, let's do this. Like now I'm pregnant, figure out, we read all the books and we we started exploring um, some kind of alternative things. There's traditional medicine and like go to the hospital and have the baby, but we're kind of weird and crunchy. So we decided to have a home birth. You can judge me later, but I walked into it like, okay, this is awesome. Like I knew I was saying no to intervention. I was saying no to all the happy drugs that they give you to make the pain go away. But I'd never had a baby before. So I didn't know what there was to experience. I'd only read about it. I actually read some cool things about how people had had pain-free child labor. And I'm like, that's awesome. Let's pray for that. So it finally came time to have this baby. And I'm like, okay, the contractions are this consistent. Let's call the midwife. Uh, By the way, yeah, there was a midwife. We didn't just like, I got this, I should have a baby. Um, Midwife comes and we're getting ready to have this child. And I gotta tell you in the midst of this, I'm like, okay, this hurts. Whoa, that's kind of painful. Okay, well maybe she'll, you know, baby will come soon, it'll be all right. And then another contraction comes. And then they get stronger. And I can tell you that in the midst of my circumstance, I wasn't happy. Just wasn't happy. No, this was excruciating pain. Men, I wish you could experience this so you know. But it's the worst pain I'd been in in my life. I'm like, I think I can run to the hospital. It's down the street and they have drugs and they can make the pain go away. But then I came to my sentence in between contractions. I was like, no, there's no way. So I guess I just have to do this. And it was through that pain in the midst of it. Do you know what kept me going? Knowing that pretty soon I was going to have a baby. Pretty soon this child that I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl was going to be in my arms. So I endured. And finally it came time for her to come out. 
And when she was finally in my arms, every bit of pain that I'd been through from barrenness to carrying a child to labor to delivery, all of it was worth it because she was there in my arms. And Jesus said, that's what it's going to be like that there is a coming joy that we can cling to. There is this thing that we can cling to beyond what we're experiencing, and we can fix our eyes on him in the midst of it. Hey, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, in the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus endured the cross, scorning the shame of it. With joy set before him, he endured the cross for us. He endured the cross for us. And just as I was looking forward to that child, you're the child that Jesus has been looking forward to. If you're in the room and you're far from God, he saw you sitting in here. He knew that you would have an opportunity to come to him and say yes to him. And because of that, there was joy within him that he was able to endure the pain and the the excruciating thing that it was to be crucified because he saw you. He saw that you would have an opportunity to come to him. So if you're in the room this morning and you don't know Jesus, maybe you got right with God during communion, but maybe you had still had questions this morning. We want there to be an opportunity for you to say yes to him. All across this room, would you bow your head, close your eyes? Come on. It's not necessarily in the words that we say, but it's the condition of our heart. And the Bible says that if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and we confess with our mouth that we are saved, I just want you as that confession to repeat this after me. Say, today, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for giving yours for mine. I choose to follow you today. And for the rest of my life, until I meet you in eternity. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.